0: everybody to another episode of positive talk radio i gotta tell you this is going to be a great episode i hope you'll stay for the entire time we've got two wonderful people with us today and they're, they're both authors they're both phds they also i think um if they're not married they're they're doing mm-hmm. a writing oh they are married okay good. oh yeah like
1: 30 years and counting
0: see that's one of those things you just these days you just don't know how to ask uh you know and stuff but but they're they're authors they're co-authors they write together they've got some great books out uh the one that uh, we're going to talk about a little a lot is called called and um and the next one is nothing bad between us which is more of a mother-daughter uh story i I do believe isn't that right
1: that one's a father-daughter story
0: oh father oh that's the next
1: the third book is more about mothers and daughters
0: I tell you that that is a really important that's, right. that's the fourth that's one. the fourth one. she gets confused. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know when you're a prolific writer like you guys are, it's just it's it's it just kind of kind of fades away. But I was looking at your reviews for called and uh on amazon and you've got over 50 reviews which is you know i do a lot of uh, authors and talk to a lot of folks and 50 is a lot of reviews which means that you've stirred the interest of a lot of people enough that they want to uh write in and put a review on it and it's it's four and a half stars so you're you're, you're we'll done take that. yeah absolutely so marlena fio is that right more than a fuel and i can say ed o'connor that that i can do so welcome to the show you guys it's great to have you here thank you for having us
1: thanks kevin it's great to be here
0: it's we're gonna have a good time because we're gonna talk about you and you know in the in the beginning of the show i mentioned that uh um that we're all interested to know why we're all here what are we here to do uh what is the purpose of our existence and stuff and you guys are delving deep into that subject matter, aren't you?
2: Yeah. And we don't have an answer for sure. We're always becoming is what it looks like to me.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Every time I get an answer, it just leads to more questions.
0: <laughs> I think that's the beauty of it, isn't it? It's, it is. it's, it's all part of the journey. It's, it's not the destination because as long as we're pr- pursuing and moving forward, the destination keeps changing. Yes.
1: And I would also just add to that as an introduction to our conversation today that not only are we all becoming, in my view, but when we talk about purpose, sometimes people think big visionaries or extraordinary people, and I can't do that because I'm not one of those extraordinary people. And so I think one of the other messages for all of us is that, we ordinary, flawed people can make a difference. And uh, the book called that we're going to be discussing today, among others, um, I think that's a real exemplar of flawed and very human people making an extraordinary difference. And and what a great um, inspiration for all of us.
0: None of us. It, well, there may have been one of us that was perfect, but the rest of the rest of us, I'm afraid, are not. And we're all trying to do the best that we can. Well, I, I, let me ask you guys there, because there are people, and I'm sure that you've had people in your existence that that are not really aware. They're not really focused on what they can do, why they're here, what's it all about, and they're just living day to day yesterday is the same as tomorrow and and they're not really concerned with it um what makes you different than that what makes you concerned with why you're here what are you we here to do and that is there a background there that we should know about i'm gonna give you an answer that's not going to be very fulfilling
2: i just feel incredibly blessed i don't feel i did anything to deserve uh, being thrown into the questions um
0: I feel guided.
2: I uh, don't understand why, but I'm incredibly grateful for it.
0: That's, that's, you know, grateful is the word of the day because we should all be grateful for who we are, the existence that we have and the people that we meet. And, 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 and you're right when we're talking about, you know, the little people versus the big people, I don't think there is such a thing. I think we're just all people. And everybody has the opportunity to do with their life what they choose, if they choose to do it. Um, but there's a there seems to be a barrier there that uh, some some folks just don't feel like. Well, as an example, you've written four books. You're both PhDs. You've spent a lot of time in school. You have had a, a great life, and you continue to have a great life. And but that's but it's not all cupcakes and roses for you. I wouldn't imagine.
1: Well, and I, I was going to add to what Ed said, and I think gratitude is a huge part of the evolving journey that we're on. But there's something else that's really important, I think, and it and it um, addresses what you're talking about, Kevin. And it's we're jumping around a bit here in terms of the books we're discussing. But in the first book, the memoir, Nothing Bad Between Us, one of the messages there is that the hard knocks in life are actually what allow us to begin to wake up. And that was certainly the story of my life. And so when you say, what causes us to step back and ask these questions? Um, I think one of the, the wake up calls are really tough times in life when one is at, on the ground and beaten down. And that's when one gets up and begins to, or at least that has been the story of my life
2: yeah we got to find a new way at that point in time just repeating and repeating that cycle of being beaten down at least we can move on to the next beating rather than the same one over and over again
0: well you know and that's that's the thing there are so many people that uh um they keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result yeah um which is i guess that's isn't that the definition of insanity so
2: i've heard for sure
0: and uh and Dr. Marnie, who's tuning in right now, I, and there'll be some folks that'll tune in and we'll put up their their posts and stuff. Hello, Doc. Oh, Hello, Dr. Marnie. Always great to tune in to moi of Positive Talk Radio, another in-depth and inspirational interview with Marlene and Ed. She's grateful. She she's a. I had her on yesterday. She is an awesome lady as well and then she also says agree the challenges in our lives are wake-up calls i i tend to believe that we are the sum total of all the experiences both good and bad that we've had in life
1: there's more though we need to pay attention to those good and bad experiences
0: i agree right i i I agree and 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 learn from them yeah. Yeah. or as some people would say remember what you already know it depends on the kind of two schools of thought like i don't know if you're familiar with another uh author uh neil donald walsh mm-hmm. yeah. sure and from his perspective we already know everything but we have forgotten it and so we are spending our time here remembering that we are all part of the global community and that we are all one
2: yes You're you're saying we are all one is going to take me off just a little bit in another direction to another author that you may well be familiar with, Dr. Larry Dossey, who has written a book, One, and he's a New York Times bestseller for several other books. Remarkable human being, and what he did in the book One, uh, which I think was the last book that he wrote, uh, as far as we know, he pulled together evidence from many, many, many different fields supporting the idea that we are all connected that we are all one and that we are waking up to that
0: it is i believe that it is the question of our day and it is it is number one it's timeless but it's also very important for us to recognize because if we if we recognize that we are all one we all come from we're all made of the same stuff regardless of the color of our skin or, or who we love or whatever, and, and that uh, we are all part of the same human family. It would change how we view each other, I would think.
2: Kevin, how do we move, based on the many guests you've had and you're, you're thinking about this for a long, long time, how do we move past being so insecure that we have to find somebody that we're better, better than, that there's always got to be somebody below us? How do we move past that? What is your experience of that?
0: I don't have, like just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. You know, I'd like to believe that by doing shows like this, by writing books like you have, by uh, bringing out these okay. issues, because, you know, 20 years ago, I had never heard the term, we are all one. When I heard that, it was, startling to me because it was like you know i grew up in a lutheran church and and all of that and there's us versus them and it's the believers and the non-believers yep. and all of that and then i came to realize that we are all one but there are people that are not waking up to it and so that's why this show is exists is to help people do that and why your work exists and why you feel called to do oh that's the name of a book i think uh you <laughs> feel called to do your work is is that the more of us put the message out there that that is actually the truth, the more people will uh, come together and it will raise, and I've heard this often, it will raise the collective consciousness. Now, is there a group of people who refuse to accept the fact that a black person may be as good as a white person or, or somebody that's gay or whatever? There's going to be those people, but I think over time, those people will either come to this side or they will go away. I don't know how that's going to play out. I hope it does.
2: Marlena and I were in the uh, consulting speaking business together for 25 years or so before we retired into this current life that we're talking about. And we were one of our um, one of the areas we worked in regularly was change management in organizational settings. And you always had the people who are way out front and the ones that were never coming. And what could we do to shift those uh, who were not locked in at either end toward the changes that needed to be made? And it was kind of exciting work for us,
0: for sure. Oh, that, that, that's a big deal, what you, what you guys were doing. because, And I've known, I know several people, and they are approaching that from the standpoint of going and talking to executives and ceos and people that are managing these large organizations and saying that that what used to work doesn't work anymore and you have to change your your methods and methods of being to include everybody yeah is that is is that kind of the work that you guys were doing
1: it is yeah it's a good summary yeah
2: it's a good summary
0: and, and... Um, just to quote, you you said they're going
2: to executives, one executive that I am incredibly impressed with, uh, and I'm not going to try his name because I will mispronounce it, but he's the CEO and chairman of the board of Microsoft. He got the CEO's job, and I think it was 2014, uh, and the chairman, executive chairman came later, but he said, look, we're stodgy. We're locked into believing we already know. We can't do that anymore. What we have to do is grow. What we have to do is be open each day to learning. And so he's created a very different kind of an organization, right out of that idea that we have to be awake, and we have to be willing to see new possibilities.
1: And very important to what Ed just said, not knowing Yes. Not knowing. I mean, how critical that yes. is in today's world when we all think we know and we can dump our knowing on other people and try to force them to know what we know. It's, it's, uh, it, you know, we've lost track of mystery and, yeah. and awe and, 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 and learning to say, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You know, it's just we've lost that. And what an amazing world this would be if it were, if I woke up in the morning to go, what am I going to learn today? What can awe me today, and wow me, that I don't know.
0: It would be remarkable if if people would wake up to that, just that all by itself and say, I don't know what I don't know and I don't know what I think I know.
1: But I'm gonna learn something
0: i'm going to learn something and i'm going to be open to it yeah we could become learn-it-alls rather than know-it-alls use a cute
2: set of words
0: that's that's a that's well i would put that in a book
2: i I think it's going to be in an upcoming youtube episode
0: probably oh good let's talk about it say if somebody wants to visit you on youtube how do they get that done
1: so the channel is becoming who we truly are
0: oh i love that
1: very on topic in terms of what we're talking about today uh, so Marlena feel becoming who we truly are and uh, we are a team in that process I happen to be the face but it is our joint production and it it goes up weekly and I'm a roadie you
2: know the guy who goes around and sets things up
0: <laughs> well that that's it's remarkable that that see there are now you've been doing this for 25 30 years what was it like 30 years ago
2: We fought more, (laughs) and it took longer to sort it out after each fight. It's true. It's sadly true.
1: We've always had a very fiery relationship, intense. Intense. Um, I, I don't think we saw the value of that so much early on, and we got really stuck in our differences. And now, it's we still have lots of differences, but I think we both. I know that we both see even in the middle of the differences that this is going to work out and it's going to work out to be better than it was, whatever we're arguing about. And it's usually the, the YouTube episode or the writing or, or the lighting for uh, yeah, an episode. shouldn't
2: But it,
1: but it results. In, and we're, we're more conscious during our, uh, that there's a reason for it and things will be better because of it.
0: Do you find that in your in your work and talking to people and, and YouTube that people are changing that 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 thirty years ago twenty five years ago yeah. there was not as many i mean that you had your Wayne Dyers and you had your gary Zukoffs and, and 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 they were try and Neil donald Walsh's and those guys they were trying to wake people up, but there was fewer of us than there seems to be now
2: yeah we When we were working uh, early on, before we even met, I can remember that the controversial issue of the, and I don't want to point to my head, mind-body connection. And does what you think really make a difference in your own life? And it went on from there, obviously, to, oh yeah, obviously it does. Even more conservative traditionalists have come to understand that. But now the question, or maybe it was 10 years ago or so that I got fascinated with, was people saying, well, does what I think affect you? Oh, and then there's phenomenal amount of evidence across space and time. I want
1: to to clarify, though, do my thoughts directly impact you? Not through my behaviors. Yeah, yeah. But what I'm thinking energetically impacts you, Kevin, right here, right now. Yes. Yeah. It, now, it, it, it's not it,
2: like we control you. That's a different question. We're not—you're not suggesting hundred percent impact. Oh, I can make you whatever, but there's an influence.
1: Yeah,
0: there, there, there is. A, it's a favorite story of mine. I before I did this, well, I know I did this, and then I had to go make some money, so I drove a bus for twelve years, and uh, I came to understand because of my background and stuff that when I was driving the bus. I could directly impact the energy within the bus by my attitudes and by what I said and what I, by what I did, if it was negative, the bus became angry. If it was positive, it was a lot more positive. So we, and and I I like to try and convince people, not that I ever will, that, that, uh, or at least to tell them that the things that you do and think on a daily basis affects the planet in ways that you'll never know yes. and the people you'll never know. Yes.
2: yes. Good summary.
1: Absolutely. And
0: a great uh, example. Yeah. And it's, and it, it was so true because I, I remember distinctly one day I was in a really piss poor mood. I didn't want to be driving a bus. I was tired, you know, and stuff. And And I woke up about halfway through and said, why is everybody so pissed off? And, and 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 I looked at it and I said, it's because I got this it's because you're pissed off, and so you you can directly impact everybody you meet, be at the grocery store, with the cashier, with uh, doing the podcast, doing the the youtube um we can we can have a positive impact or a negative impact. we get to choose
1: yeah yeah,
0: yeah. so it's and so you know you guys have been do- doing this for a long time. When did you decide? to now you were you were public speakers and i i want to ask you about that how did you get that gig how did you guys start doing public speaking if i tell you the truth it'll sound too strange to believe no no if tell I, me the truth i'm just
2: talking about myself this is before we met i was um in the financial business um Enough. We'll just put that off to the side. I had financial security licenses and a principal's license and all that stuff. And I was in the wrong place. And I was walking around in a um, I start to say junkyard. No, it was it was a dump. Basically, I was out walking in the night uh, trying to I got to do something different. I've just got to do something different. Begging, I guess, for guidance. And it came to me. I want to be a public speaker. Now, we'd been, I'd been standing up in front of university audiences. I've been a university professor for maybe 15, 20 years at the time before the financial business, but this was different. This was something I just knew I wanted to do. Now, how do you get from wanting to having of, it happen? A lot of
1: practice and I love Well, of- yeah,
2: and uh, you go around taking every freebie I could get my hands on, um, and- you know, the local chapter of the whatever that needs a speaker for Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. for their breakfast meeting. And I met some interesting people like you did on the bus. Uh, but then I, I one of the people who came to me was the chairman of the healthcare program at the university I was working at. And he said, I, I hear you do a little of the speaking stuff. Would you come talk to the Rocky Mountain Financial something association a, a month from now? And I said, sure, I'll do that. And so I did, and somebody came up afterward and said, you know, Ed, I don't think you've talked to financial audiences very much because you don't quite have the lingo right. But you're a good speaker, but you don't have the right. It's about a month later when this man who headed up the university healthcare program, I can still see him standing in my office door saying, I heard that was really good what you did. Would you like to do that for money? I can hook you up with, (laughs) and he did hook me up with, and it became the biggest source of work over 20 years, 25 years. Now, a lot of other sources came, but that is now, can I explain? No, that's being gifted. That's being
1: I believe that when we show up where we believe we need to be in life and what we need to be doing, that things come our way to support that. I really do believe it. And this is one example of that. We need to show up though. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yep. And it, it, it is so true because be it, I interview musicians, um, authors, speakers, poets, a lot of, a lot of different folks that are, and the, and you know, animal communicators and psychics and to a person, there was a point in time when they suddenly had what I would call a download. A, mm-hmm. a, 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 a inspiration would be another way to use it, um, that, that you, so you were inspired because I believe that your team on the other side said, you know, Ed, I think now's the time for you to take all this experience that you've got and to put it to use, you know, in a way that we want you to use it. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yep. Yeah, no problem with that at all. I'll tell you about another epiphany if I can. This one will be quicker and it'll sort of take us back toward maybe what we're here to talk about a little bit. So we both retired in 2015, 16, something like that from our university and shut down the business. And then the question becomes, what do you do next? And Marlena, she was going to be a guitar player and she played with that for a little bit. And I didn't have any capability or interest. And then uh, she said something about maybe photography. And so that gave me a great thing to buy gifts for Marlena. You know, I can go buy all this equipment. She said no more with that. And we're, we're in our living room. We lived in Tucson, Arizona part of the time uh, each year. Um, and we're sitting in our living room in Tucson. And she said to me, hey, hey, would you listen to something? I just sort of wrote it. And she's just pecking it out on a keyboard. This is straight out of the keyboard. And it is the it is in the opening chapter of her memoir, Nothing Bad Between Us. And I was blown away. I didn't know she could write like that. We can write academic articles. We were pretty good at that. We wrote academic books. But this is a different kind of writing. And that's a download kind of moment. I mean, I knew that's what we ought to be doing right there. And so, so that's now been... Four or our five years for Ten. six years six years doing the research getting ready for these books a lot of a lot of research went into them
0: you know it's it's for those of you that are nearing our age and although i'm i'm 64 and you're 65 or 66 i think yeah, yeah. Um,
1: add so another you 10 years or
2: at 10 and a half or more.
0: More here, and, I don't know. <laughs> and but when you retire uh, cause I watched my dad retire and he retired at, he, he was an executive for Nordstrom. He worked six days, six days a week. Yeah. He was, he was an executive. He was, he was the guy that would walk into a department that he was manager of. And the manager would say, Mr. McDonald's coming, Mr. McDonald's coming and everybody would scurry around. He was that kind of guy. I mean, he was, he was uh, a, a corporate executive, but when he retired, his whole life was wrapped up in being a corporate executive. Yes. So he, when he retired, he had nothing else to go to. So he played golf for a while, and then he fell and hurt his uh, hip, so he couldn't play golf anymore. So then he had nothing. So I highly recommend that people do exactly what you did, uh, is is to go and find something that you're passionate about and go do it. And uh, you'll be good at it. Maybe not as good as you, but, they, you know, whatever it is. You just said something really important from my point of
2: view. Be the passionate about it.
1: Yeah, the guitar thing, the photography, golf. They're all nice, That's, yeah, but it didn't right. fire us up.
2: And people who are passionate enthusiastically put in more time and energy. People who are passionate about something will outperform people who are, yeah, that's what I ought to be doing. That seems like a good idea because other people are doing it.
0: Well, and and I'm retired now. I, I, you know, the interesting story about how that happened is that the good Lord or whoever the universe said, no, you're done. You're going to. So they made me fall a couple of times and have a couple okay. of surgeries. So I couldn't I couldn't uh, um, drive a bus anymore. And but I'd already started the podcast and I had be careful what you wish for, because I had said at one point gosh, I wish I could just retire so that I could just do the podcast because that's what I love to do. And uh, so they made that possible. Yep. And, you and here know, you are. And here I are. Because, and I do eight, 8 to 10 to 12 of these a week, including live radio on KKNW in Seattle. I'd love to have you on that show because um, you, you guys are, you speak exactly the language that I think we all need to go to if we're going to ever get along and and uh, take care of each other
1: yeah and the, and the world is crying for that now it just is sobbing for it with the latest tragedy in texas it just uh, goes on and on it, 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 there is such longing for what we are talking about that we just we need to we need to get there yeah
0: i can't i used to be a news junkie I can't watch the news anymore. I'll watch maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it and that's all I can take. Between Ukraine and Buffalo and and Texas and 18-year-old kids buying assault weapons and 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 and, and killing children. Yes. What, what, and their know? grandmother. And and yeah. And and, and, and it's just
1: and the agony that must be in the soul of that 18 year old is just, we are, we're, 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 we're losing our kids. We're not taking care of our young people. We're not taking care of our old people very well, but more importantly, I think we're not taking care of our kids. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, the tragedy of what he did is, is terrible. I also look at his, his soul and where that came from and how we are failing those kids as a society.
0: And, and as an example, in 2021, um, more people died of opiate uh, overdoses than ever. And it was, it was close to a million people in this country. Yeah. And you don't hear about those things. Um, and how we, we as a collective society, um, and this, this is actually more political than I generally get, but as a collective society, we need to take care of each other. We got 16 million kids going to bed hungry. We've got we've got people that are that are homeless. We've got enough money. We could do it. Um, but if we, yeah. and, but To circle back, if we would recognize that we are all one, we would have a different place in time about how we thought about all of that.
1: And we would be better equipped to speak with each other across the aisle about what needs to get done to make this happen.
0: I was shocked when uh, after after texas when uh, they showed a montage of and i'm not i don't care about parties but did, political leaders that were saying nothing Ah, uh, no, nothing could be done it's just the way it is they were just crazy and that's just the way it's going to be and it's like we can't accept that yeah. we we can't accept that because you're right that young man was a tortured person as well yeah. absolutely you know, so. But anyway, let's talk about something positive, like your All book. Right. Let's pick it up a little here. <laughs> Tell me about called. What was the motivation?
1: It is a an epic saga that spans sixty years. It is a story of romance, of adventure, of service. Uh, it is a little a, political
2: intrigue. About in some
1: political intrigue. It takes place in South America, so there is a uh, quite a bit of. Paraguayan and Argentinian history. It begins in 1941, during World War II, a young pioneering doctor takes off and goes to an unknown part of Western Paraguay. That is a land where no one could live except, at that time, the thinking was, was, the belief was no one could live there except the nomad indigenous tribes that were there. And he was there to be a pioneering doctor for a group of immigrants who had just come over from the Ukraine. These are Mennonites uh, who emigrated from the Ukraine to Paraguay in 1930, and they had no doctor. So this is where the story begins.
2: Now, why would they go to a part of the world where nobody supposedly could live? Because there was no other country in the world that would accept them.
1: Many of them were very ill. Uh, they were had trachoma. Two thirds of them had eye disease, trachoma, and and so Paraguay opened its doors to these people because they wanted someone to inhabit the western part of Paraguay that was. Considered. They wanted to
2: lay claim to it because there was a war with Bolivia, and if we can put our people out there, maybe we can claim the land better than those Bolivians can. So. Everybody's got their own motives in the world. So our you know,
1: protagonist lands in the middle of this in 1941. These are Mennonites who are who claim to be pacifists, but they in fact are burning with Nazi fervor because they believe Hitler will get them back to where they came from. They take can't the land they can't back. live in this hellhole in Paraguay. They want to get back to the Ukraine, and Hitler is going to help them get there. And so here is Dr. Schmidt in the middle of a Mennonite community, barely surviving in a desert and the Nazi flames that are burning hot. So that's where the story begins.
0: Um, Why don't we let we, him in for a minute? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 you no, know, you're, 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 you're really good. Cause it, because I was going to ask you, first of all, I I'm unfamiliar with the uh, uh, doctrine of a Mennonite. What, what do they believe?
1: So there are many splintering Mennonite groups. uh, So I don't think that any one definition really, There, there are some beliefs that I can talk about that I think all groups adhere to. One is pacifism, even though there are some exceptions even to that rule. So they become conscientious objectors in wars because they believe taking up arms is against their religion. Another is the separation of church and state. Um, but there are so many different Mennonite groups. I think what our viewers and listeners will often think about when they hear Mennonite are the Amish. And these are the people who still ride in buggies and, and they wear and the and little carry. hats. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or old Mennonites,
1: And also the old Mennonite uh, traditions that. with the hats and the long garb. Um, the Mennonites that, that we're talking about are not the old Mennonites or the Amish. However, they, they are still plain people. They believe in plain lifestyle. They believe in hard work, uh, in pacifism. And so there are some underlying beliefs that are true across Mennonites.
0: Except they wanted Hitler to take them back to uh, Ukraine. Um, and so they were fervent about that because they thought that he would do that.
1: Absolutely. It's kind of like us talking about this 18-year-old who shot kids. My father used to say, and my father is the protagonist of this book we're talking about, Dr. Schmidt used to say, anyone is capable of anything. And part of this, I'm sure, stemmed from him living this incredulous time when Mennonites had Nazi fervor I mean the the two would seemingly not possibly go together and yet these people were so desperate to get back to their heimatland that they believed hitler would get them there and i think in it's so true we we don't want to see that but any of us is capable of anything under the right right circumstances
0: Oh, i i, I agree i agree and hillers Hitler actually is a pretty good example now you know you you're learned people and you and you've studied history history quite a little bit and when he came to power he was under the impression that the germans had been abused yeah. uh, because of world war 1 uh they, they they their army was not allowed to, to be there they weren't uh fully functioning society and he wanted to bring um their uh, uh pride back into into the country to be german was to be a good thing he just he just took it way too far.
1: That's right, but it was he he fed into that vulnerability in a way yes. that was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yes, and and that's that's how he got so many people to yes. to follow him willingly because they thought we're going to reassume our rightful place in the world.
1: That's right.
0: So when you look at it from his perspective, he wasn't such a bad guy, and except when when he started killing people. And then yeah. putting them in in but but yeah and the way
2: the the way the Mennonites handled it in those first few years of uh, World War II was denial of um, the, the the
1: Holocaust because there were already reports but by the I mean in forty five there... and forty in forty four and forty five the the world knew what was going on but there was still so much denial going on about it, which also is just yeah. a very human, we do this. We... Their
2: language was German. They had oh, God, uh, started in the Netherlands and worked their way on across Germany. And this group moved on to the Ukraine, but they never gave up their German language. And so the propaganda came in German to Paraguay and Argentina for that matter. And, uh, the, um, Dr. Schmidt, Dr. Johns down there. Oh, he's got an American sponsor, and of course, um, American uh, Mennonite Central Committee, they're way opposed to uh, Nazism, and they've got him down there in the middle of this fire, supporting um, the American perspective, the U.S. perspective. Oh, gotcha,
0: so, gotcha. Now, the book is named called. Was what was he called to do?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, great question.
1: Well. Um, On the face of it, uh, much has been written about, this is a true story. So Dr. John and Clara Schmidt spent um, 60-plus years of their lives in Paraguay uh, doing just incredible service of one kind or another. And what has been written about them is that they were called to do God's work. They were devout Mennonites, and they believed that God was calling them to do this work. We also know from <laughs> diaries and letters from their own personal writing that they were called to the crazy adventure of it all. And so it's it's an interesting mix. When God calls and adventure calls, that's very potent. That, it, it, <laughs> that's a, a potent combination there. And that's really what we see going on for 60 plus years throughout this story is a mix of God and adventure and risk taking, absolute crazy risk taking.
2: To contribute.
1: And a desire to contribute. Yeah. I mean that was the that was I mean, God's they were not to...
2: there to make a ton of money, although they did invest wisely in Paraguayan land, but they turned the money back uh, in terms of contribution.
1: You know, at the beginning of lives. your show, and at the beginning of this show, Kevin, there's a, we can make this world a better place. Yes. Uh, I saw that caption. And and if there were ever two people who inspire each of us to make the world a better place, it would be John and Clara Schmidt. That was their guiding light, their North Star.
0: And so, and so they could legitimately say that they were called by God, the universe, whatever, to to do that because they were, that was their passion. It was their absolutely, yeah. yeah, and they were working hard, and because from what I understand, from what you said, Paraguay was not a very nice place. It it, it was not;
2: it was a very difficult place. It's an old Spanish um, outpost, once very important Spanish outpost. Not the not the part of Paraguay that uh, Doctor John went to. But ofcencion the capital I it may be even wise to point out where it is people will be looking at a map going Paraguay is that Uruguay is that I don't know exactly. so
1: Paraguay sits it's a it's a small landlocked country that sits right in the center slightly south and in the center of South America. So it's south of Brazil north um, of
2: Argentina, east yeah. of Bolivia.
1: And west of Uruguay, and so it's landlocked. Many people, when they hear Paraguay, think Uruguay, and they are not at all the same.
0: So, so (laughs) I was just thinking, why would you want to have a landlocked country? And I guess it's because nobody else wanted the land, so they decided they would take it and build a a community there, or build exactly. There were
1: crazy wars in South America about the getting land across on the coasts. And so the the Triple Alliance War was in the 1870s, um, which was Paraguay against Argentina, Argentina.
2: Brazil, and maybe Chile?
1: And, and or Brazil, or Bolivia, Bolivia, and Bolivia. Bolivia. So little Paraguay fighting these big countries. And then it
2: became a much smaller Paraguay after they got their butts beat. So, and so that's where they are
0: now. So it
1: ended up because of a lot of wars, this ended up being the configuration.
0: Now, you know, you studied quite a bit about South American history. We don't hear this. And, 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 and I was a student of history, but I don't recall in school that they talked much about South American history and what went on there. They, it was a pretty bloody, brutal time back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Down there. Yeah.
1: And even during the time of, that this book uh, covers in the 1940s, uh, the— the uh, it starts. Yeah, the war with Bolivia was pretty darn brutal and so it was still going on. Yeah, it was still going on when when at the time this book was written. And then of course the yeah, the political machinations of Argentina, Evita Peron and that all also is part of called it's, it's part of the so that I think Argentina's history people are a little more familiar with and that is also woven into the story. One
2: so, piece. I'm sorry, Kevin. Go ahead.
0: Well, no, I was just going to ask. So now, with it was uh, Doctor John? Was he your father? Yes. Oh, oh, very cool. So it's a it's a it's a real live um, uh, story. Um, it's a
1: real live story based on what do we have? Six boxes of books and seven
2: uh, hundred and twenty references in for the book uh, that we've chosen out of the vast material there was a lot written by them. So we have their inside perspective, but there is a very large accumulation of work written about them or written by them. That's in libraries and archives. We were also fortunate to be able to interview people who were still alive and remembered them. Um, and so it's, it's, and when a book like this gets out, uh, people start coming out of the woodwork who go, yeah, I, we gave money to, um, uh,
1: so one one of the to keep of, their work going. One of the things they're best known for, we haven't even touched no. on yet. Um, in 1951, they founded and for 20 years managed a leprosy uh, compound. And um, what they are best known for, uh, recognized by the World Health Organization, the American Leprosy Missions, is that they revolutionized how leprosy is treated on the planet today. So when they began their leprosy work, what what happened is that lepers, as they were called, were- Her
2: father would have gone nuts if he heard the word leper. These were not people, they were not lepers.
1: They were people, dignified people like you and I who have an illness called Hansen's disease or leprosy. Um, But at that time, in 1951, lepers were locked up like animals into colonies and even yes, though even though there was not yet a lot of evidence that I mean at that time there was still it was not known how the disease was transmitted, uh, but there was there was already a sulfa available that would halt the symptoms of the disease, and Dr. John believed that people given the sulphone that was available, people should be treated in their homes and they should be kept in their families. And that is the way leprosy is treated on the planet today. and they... with,
2: with drugs that have come into fruition since yeah. then, or yeah. have shown up since then. It, it, we, we, he didn't have any idea what caused leprosy. I mean, he had some ideas, but there was no evidence. So this man and his wife took this uh, two-month-old child to Paraguay, along with uh, four of her siblings that were
1: yeah. All it, alive
2: at the time and took them to live among uh, people who had leprosy, the most illness, the, the most
1: the sickest, sickest. Of that's the with, word I
2: couldn't come up with.
1: The ones with the <laughs> most severe illness who couldn't take care of themselves at home. We treated on the compound where I grew up and, and, and in your so, home and even in our beds be- before the clinic was built. Um,
0: people must have thought that you were absolutely crazy.
1: Well, they or thought my father. Maybe they were
0: right. It's my, possible.
1: <laughs> he was pretty crazy. Um, he also Which makes
2: him fascinating.
1: Yeah, he he. It was a combination of crazy and brilliant and
2: and believing uh,
1: and underneath it all, believing in the dignity of all, all human beings. I, he would not have had the words "We are one," Kevin, but he lived by that rule. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. that, that is awesome. By the way, when are you writing your autobiography?
1: Well, the first book that I wrote was uh, my memoir. Ah. And so that is nothing bad between us. And it. Um, Say a few words about that. Yeah, my, my brilliant it? father and I had a <laughs> very difficult relationship when I was a child. She
2: has a personality very much like her father's um oh I, Oh, i drove
1: him i drove him nuts and he basically he beat me until i was bloody we had a very very bad relationship the book however my memoir is not so much about that it is much more about the journey toward reconciliation and toward forgiveness um and so it's it's a it's a book that traces that journey from the broken child that I was uh, to healing and forgiveness. Say,
2: uh, I'm going to uh, probe her. The name of the book really is about a certain low German. She speaks five languages, low German and high German are two of the five.
1: So my, my mother tongue is low German, which is what the, the, I'm going to back up a little bit. So my parents grew up in Paraguay, but their people came from, my father's people came from the Ukraine, which is exactly where the people came from, who then later immigrated to Paraguay. So he was really going to help his people in Paraguay.
2: And their native language is?
1: (laughs) Is Low German, which is Plotich. And so when my father and I, it's a long journey, so I'm I'm now abbreviating it. So we get to a point where healing, so much healing has occurred between us. It's 1988, and we're sitting on their squeaky sofa, and there's a in lot Kansas. of in Kansas. There's a lot of there are a lot of people around family members speaking a lot of different languages because we we <laughs> married people who only spoke English or only Spanish or only German. So there was a lot of language. I mean, like Langu- sentences
2: start in one language and they end in another language <laughs> and they don't notice it happened. So there's
1: all this <laughs> chaos happening and my father and I are sitting on the sofa and I turn to him and I grab his hand and I said, noch, tfaschen, And what that means in Plotich in low German is nothing bad between us. And he turned to me and he said, "Nay. And from then on, that was what we said to each other at every goodbye for the next 20 years until he died, and so I couldn't make that the title since what would North Americans do with a title so I put the translation, nothing bad between us as the title of my memoir.
2: It's a beautiful story of reconciliation and the path from to reconciliation
0: Um, that's 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 a beautiful story do you guys recognize that this needs to be a two or three hour podcast just so that we can talk about everything that you've done in your lives and and how 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 impactful that you have been um and and, you're very kind no i'm very truthful because you, you guys even the book nothing bad between us somebody In this country, pick that book up, and they read it because they were having the same issues that you were having with your father. And
1: It's so true, Kevin. The outpouring that we've received is really testament to the fact that, yes, this is a story about a kid growing up on a leprosy compound in Paraguay in a low German Mennonite community, and... It's a universal story of healing, of brokenness and healing. And the outpouring has been about how people will say, <clears throat> Your story's not at all like mine, but oh my gosh, it's like mine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Do you know that if this wasn't true and wasn't your memoir, people would have said, No, you're, you're, you're. The, you're making all that stuff up, and and nobody would buy it because, because it's too outlandish. Yeah. Nobody, I mean, you grew up in a leper colony in Uruguay. You're a, a Paraguay. Careful, oh, no. <laughs> <Very nice>. Couldn't <laughs> resist. Sorry. No, that's all right. I don't speak one language very well, by the way. I just so <laughs> you'd like to know. She corrects my English on an ongoing
2: basis. You know, her fifth <laughs> language. It's not bad
0: so so it's it's your story is remarkable and and your dad how 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 old did he live to be
1: he was 94 when he died 2003 died in 2003
0: yeah oh, that was a that was a big year for this country in 2003 um but uh uh so um and for the last 20 years of your life you had reconciled with him and and things were good what did he think Because i'm always interested in older older folks or you as well we're always
1: yeah we're older folks
0: yet in, in that what what you've seen in your life and the changes that have happened since you were a child till now i'm beginning to realize how vital a time that we are living in and how much change is happening what it, what give it give us because we're gonna have to wrap this up in a minute. But I would love your philosophy of life that you've gained over time, that that uh, you would like to share with our audience because it's it's vitally important that younger people have an opportunity to talk to people who have been on the planet a while. Oh, I don't know the answer. You know, to
1: that I think it's a great point that you're making i we have young grandsons yeah. who are 11 and 12 and 15 yeah. and we hardly know how to speak their language
2: yes i know it's and
1: hard. And, and and so and they're we, very
2: kind to us
1: and but... so we often have this conversation ed and i about what can we share with them and it's, it's a, I don't know that I have an answer to what you are asking, Kevin, but I will say that we think about it and we talk about it and we're not sure what our role is or what we can say or what is meaningful to them to hear. They don't want to hear that we walked five miles in the snow going to school and back uphill or, both or directions. Whatever the, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a it's a great question that you're posing, and I don't know that we have an answer. No, and
2: if we did, it wouldn't be the same answer we had four or five years ago, and hopefully it won't be the same answer we have four or five years from now. I can tell you that what I'm working on, because I don't do it terribly well, I don't do it well at all, is kindness and gratitude. And I'm finding those incredibly important in my life right now. And...
1: But I think but Kevin was asking through. about what we but kindness learned and about having lived well, as long as we have, and,
0: and 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 that that falls under that category: yeah. kindness and gratitude, and uh, mm-hmm. gratitude for the, the the lives that we're living, yeah. the things that we've done. Because keep, because remember, and I, can't, I do you know, 1990 were 32 years ago. I find that just remarkable that it seems like it was like yesterday, but your 15 year old grandson was born in 2007.
1: It's just crazy. It's crazy. Yeah.
0: And, and so he doesn't know things like, like if I said to you uh photo mat, you would know what I'm talking about, about, about the, the little building where you would go and have your pictures uh, developed. Sure. 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 It doesn't exist today. Right. Or, uh, or a uh, uh, blockbuster. Or, <laughs> or the world yeah. couldn't live without it, right? Yeah, or or the fact that that we didn't in 2000 nobody had a cell phone. That's right. Oh, and,
2: 2007 comes the iPhone, the contribution of the departed gentleman, and it's, it's changed the world. And the cloud technology that allows it to operate and allows us to have this conversation across space and time. I mean, we came out with a book uh, about the time the pandemic hit. Well, what are we going to do? We can't go to bookstores and speak, which would be the normal thing.
1: Instead, we speak to people like you.
2: All over the world now, as opposed to locally where I can drive to and speak.
0: And I I agree with you. What's interesting about that is I've, I've talked to a guy that he books himself. He's a magician. And he books himself all over the world, um, and he's, he's a he's a comic slash uh, magician. Now he does his stuff via Zoom, and so he doesn't have to get into him, get into his car, go to the airport, get into an airplane, fly fly to Minneapolis, wherever he's going, stay in the yeah. hotel, stay all night, and then do his gig the next day, and then get into an airplane. And I think it's going to help the planet because we're not use all of the uh, resources, right. because we can do this. Right. I'm sitting in my house in, in uh, SeaTac, Washington, and you are in, are you in Arizona today? We're,
1: in, we're in Eugene, Oregon. Just- but that
0: you even ask where we are? You don't need to ask. We're here.
1: Right.
0: That's exactly exactly right. We're in
2: Eugene, Oregon, to answer your question.
0: Beautiful area. Beautiful oh, area.
2: gorgeous. Yeah. And this is a great time of year there. I want to go back full circle if I can because I know we're coming toward an end, Kevin because you said so. Um, the football coach that I remember so well that you may be old enough to remember, Vince Lombardi. Oh, who was the Green Bay Packers phenomenally successful football coach. And one of the quotes from, and I'm going to take it back to called, one of the quotes that I like from Mr. Lombardi is something to the effect of we would accomplish many more things if we did not believe they were impossible. That's and crazy. that's the story of Dr. John and Clara Schmidt in calls. They didn't understand things were impossible. In their 80s, they took on responsibility for a failing hospital and a failing community in a remote area on the opposite side of Paraguay from where they started, way out far east. Today, that is a thriving hospital and, as far as we know, a thriving community. Uh, but it wouldn't be there without what they did. Now, this is people in their 80s. They didn't know they couldn't do it, so they just went and did it. Um, remarkable yeah. people.
0: I got I to gotta ask you both. Did, at the end of his life, when he looked back on it, did he recognize and realize the scope of what he had done?
1: No, Kevin, and where you're taking us without knowing it, is to the book that we are number near, three. Book number three that not four, three that, that we have nearly completed a draft of. So it will be <clears throat> it'll be out within the year. And it's a book that traces the inner journey of Dr. John. He is in by all accounts a tragic hero because he changed the world with his extraordinary contributions. But he was unable to face his own inner demons, and he was unable to look at the accomplishments with satisfaction. What he what he saw at the end of his life was his own broken down uselessness. And oh, it,
0: you have got to be kidding! No, and that, that's what we're exploring in this. That's what we're part.
1: exploring, and it's a very it's a tragic. But but we're going to hopefully cr- cr- write it as an inspirational story again about. The possibilities we have while we are here, while we are alive, to really nurture our inner, our inner, our souls, our inner lives while we are making a difference out in the world. So that we can gracefully and gratefully move into old age, not as broken, sad people, but rejoicing about what, what has been and what continues to be and what can be. And so the book hopefully will be an inspiration, but underneath it all, yes, he was a tragic hero.
0: And I just want you to know that I have thoroughly enjoyed this, creating this podcast with you and the conversation that we've had. And you have inspired me um, with your work and who you are and your stories. It's, It's just a remarkable thing. Can I beg you to come back and do some more? I don't know if we know anymore. Or do we
2: use it you all up?
1: I'm not sure. You know, once... It's the, a pleasure
2: to be with you, Kevin, Once
1: certainly. Once Healing the Wound is out, we'd love to have and talk to you again about reactions to that book. That would be great fun.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I also want to introduce you to my audience on KKNW, which is... In Seattle, it's a uh, um over-the-air broadcast, and it's the 14th largest media market in the country. And I think you would have a lot of value to that audience. For, for, we'd love we'd favorite. love to
1: do that. And for anyone who would like to get updates on the release of our next book, if they subscribe to our website at marlenafeel.com, and I assume you will provide that in show notes.
0: Yes, uh, ma'am, I will, and but you can but uh if you go to her last name is spelled F I O L, um, and Morlina uh, Fio, and uh, and you can get the, the, the information you need there. You're by the way, you're not hard to find. You're all over the place, so so go go check them out. Uh, even if you just start with uh, the name of the book, which is uh, called, it's done very very well. It's got lots of great reviews, and um, you guys should be you should be very proud of who you are you oh know? you're kind we're, thank you we're, kevin. Pri-
1: we're privileged and uh feel very blessed doing what we're doing together
0: absolutely yes absolutely. and we'd love
1: to speak with you anytime kevin it's a pleasure and an honor
0: well thank you and holly berry says i'd love to m- know from my seniors what thing consistently help to uh ease anxiety for humans
1: we that's play tai chi every day
0: that's what i was going to say we are devoted. I mean, it, it reduces
2: falls in older people by over 50%. It is an incredible opportunity to learn. It's a it,
1: moving meditation. It's
2: a moving meditation. So, we've done a lot of other meditation, but that's Dai- an
1: important Tai Chi.
0: See, and you said that we had no more to talk about. We could spend a whole hour talking about that. Well, because,
2: I'd love to. We'd love to. We, talk we are about enthused it. and we have a master. You won't get us. You won't doctor, get to stop us. Dr. <laughs> Dr. Paul.
1: Dr. Paul Lamb.
2: Dr. Paul Lamb, Lam, L-A-M. He is a physician. He is brilliant He's, as a human being. I'm
1: sorry. We need to stop. Yeah. we. It's going to be hard to shut us up. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you, you know, and I, I, and I would not accept I've scheduled another podcast for the top of the hour. So, so I, I have to, sadly, I have to wrap it up. I don't want to, because you guys are so much fun, but I just, I really, truly want you to know that you are having an impact in the world in a very positive way, and uh, keep doing what you're doing. And uh,
1: thank you, Kevin. You thank you, you Kevin. as well. Keep you doing
0: too. your
2: good work. It's a pleasure to be with you.
1: Yes,
0: I have no choice. I have got to. It's you're it's called. Not, you're I'm, called. That's exactly. <laughs> that's exactly right. Dog on it um and all i hope for is that at the end of our lives that we can look back at a life well lived and we've done everything within our power to do the best we can that's all you can ask for
1: that's right be well
0: thank thank you you too and uh go get the book called that's and uh wait right there i'll be right back thanks for enjoying this episode all the way to the end please give us a like and subscribe to this channel This has been a production of KMmedia.pro. Please visit our website, oddly enough, named KMmedia.pro for more details about us and our mission, which is to provide great, positive programming designed to inspire us all. I'm Kevin McDonald, and I'm proud of these shows, and I truly hope that you'll like them and share them with friends and family. So on behalf of our entire team, remember, be kind to each other, because each other